Hello, Jared. Word. <laughs> there you go, people. I'm going to be quiet for a second. You can just kind of lean into this one. Uh, what's really no news day? I mean, really, really hadn't been any kind of newsworthy um, stories about. No, 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 no. In uh, the debatable goat of all time, he, what was he doing today? Um, I think he was touring Barcelona, maybe. Maybe he was in Saudi Arabia. I don't. Yeah. I just I heard he was um, he's keeping his options open, it sounds like. Well, as usual, we're rolling in with a little theme music today. And today, I kicked us off with the song called Messi from Elanto. I- Elanto. Yeah. See, I wouldn't have got that right. I know. I probably got it wrong. Zach will probably correct us the next episode. Elanto. Um, yeah, so we're back with another episode. Um, I figure we just jump right into probably the news of the... Of our sports, of our, of our, of our football with our feet, sporting history in our country, maybe? Uh, for MLS, for sure. Uh, undeniable. If the rumors are true, all day long here on, what is it, Tuesday, June 7th, correct? Yeah, that's what I got. Um, uh, Wednesday, 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 June 7th. Wednesday. Uh, virtually every news outlet in the world that... Uh, cares about soccer, doesn't care about soccer. Um, in fact, I guarantee the Wall Street Journal probably is picking it up, uh, is reporting on the fact that it looks like a done deal that Lionel Messi, the Argentinian goat, goat, uh, has cut a deal with MLS. Wow. And I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed to say that immediately when I thought I heard what was coming and I was busy at work. So I didn't have a whole hell of a lot of time to just flat out, um, you know, really search the internet, but I did sneak away and take a look. Um, I immediately got on SeatGeek and July 15th. Oh yeah. Enter Miami is coming, um, down to market and everywhere I can see the ticket prices were shot up where I'm at. They're like eight fifty to a thousand already. Which the week of, if he ends up playing, I, I can't even imagine it. But they're saying, and who knows who's right and what's going on, but they're saying debut is July 21st, six days yeah. post-star match in yeah. a League's Cup match. Yeah, I've heard that from a few people that are kind of close to the league as well that, you know, aren't journalists that said, nah, this deal, when he plays, if he plays, it won't be till the end of July at the earliest. There's a couple other things he has on his calendar that'll take precedence so you know in in enthusiastic style the st louis fandom and the season ticket holders frankly the capitalists that i love and respect soccer fan second capitalist first yeah they uh they they took advantage of the situation a few made some deals but all (laughs) all uh winds of change are pointing in the direction of he will not play let me ask you that game here so if in fact if if you're stating that you're a capitalist first soccer fan second sure and you have five tickets in a pretty appetizing spot in that stadium and you sell them for 850 today tomorrow yesterday a piece um and if it, he if he doesn't play in that game, which you know, like we've already mentioned, it, it sounds like he won't. Do do you feel bad? Yeah, I mean, 
Next question. <laughs> okay. No, you know, it's here, here's my thing about it. I put a post out. I, I, I don't know. There's so many platforms. I forget. Uh, but my comment was simply, um, basically, if this deal is a done deal, then I, then I change my vote for GOAT uh, to Messi if he doesn't take Saudi Arabian money. And looks like he's coming the way of MLS uh, – uh, David Beckham and the and the group down there and he, the the stories I'm hearing that are kind of like you know maybe one ring closer to the center they're saying that um, if it wasn't for the role of Apple Apple TV Apple Plus and Adidas specifically the two of them stepping up to the table to make this more of a, a long-term relationship, a long-term deal. Financially. Yeah, because, I mean, all the reports coming out of uh, the Middle East, OPEC, I'm, I'm just going to start calling that late league OPEC. Okay. Um, you know, he was looking at two See years. See what you're doing. Two years, $1.2 billion, $600 million a year. A quick Google search. His net worth is currently worth $600 million. Right. If he goes to Saudi Arabia with those numbers for two years, or if he comes here for five years, um, I... I don't know how that works. I don't know who's measuring the net worth, but I'm pretty sure his net worth is substantially higher going the Middle Eastern route than coming to um, the Southeastern route of the United States. I Well, I don't think so. And I think this is an economics uh, equation. Um, you, you watch the the movie Air, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the lore and the reality behind what Jordan, uh, the deal that Nike made with Jordan. His mom. Uh, her role, her role in that process, but really that that long term skin in the game, that Royalties, equities, yeah, uh, it, for life, right? Yep. Um, I think, and knowing enough about Apple as a company and how they uh, incentivize employees, I mean, their 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 thing too is always equity. It's about stock. It's about long term. So when you when you look at those kind of models, and Adidas being the primary sponsor partner uh, of the league, you know, having Adidas step up and Apple potentially offering him, and, and nobody really knows the details, but this rumor came from multiple sources independently. He's going to be getting a cut of all of it for a long, long, long time. Well, that's the only way it makes sense financially for him to pick one or the other, because at some point, if he has a capitalistic bone in his body, he ain't picking it here if what you're saying is not involved all that stuff aside only speculation we could sit here and talk for hours but for a couple of minutes what does this freaking do for our game domestically in our league i think you're looking at you know the timing is perfect uh, for a lot of different reasons in my opinion you have um well for us here locally let's just look at it we, we have a new team that is first in the west mm-hmm. um you've got youth soccer at the ECNL and the academy level, blowing up everywhere, you, we've had the right now we have the highest number of American expats playing at the highest level in Europe. Uh, we're looking at the next World Cup, right? In North America, he, here. So, I mean, is there if 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 he gets into the league and he really embeds himself and he really engages with the fans, with the communities, and becomes a true partner of the league? as opposed to just kind of a leech off of the revenue streams, it, could you have a few, you know better ambassadors than a David Beckham and a Messi coming out of Miami as part of the league, kind of representing that 
angle of it? I, 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 the answer is no. No. I mean, is the short answer and the long answer. No. Yeah. No. no. It, it's it's one of those things that, you know, a year ago or so was whenever the rumors started. Because everybody knew that the PSG deal, it was never going to be renewed. He's passed. You know, Barcelona has gone young. They were, they're not the kind of club that issues the legacy contract like in baseball or other sports. So you knew he was going to go elsewhere. Um, and for me, I thought it was Saudi Arabia. Well, I think, you know, the, I saw an article, or, or maybe it was on TV, Squawk Box in the morning. They were talking about Saudi, Saudi Arabian government and the organizations that are close to these sports leagues, the soccer league, live golf, everything else. They've stated publicly within their plans to spend between 20 and $40 billion over the next three to five years to accumulate more sport, period. Stars, yeah. So this is, this is golf. You just, you know, we all saw the headlines of, you know, the PGA blinked. They gave in, they merged. You, now you have all these players going to Saudi Arabia like Ronaldo. Conte. Conte has offered two years, $100 million a year. That's like I, I love the guy. He's a Chelsea loyalist. I, you, you know, I, he's one of my favorite players of all time. That's a dumb deal. You know, just not for him, not for his agent, not for his family, but a hundred million for him. No, it the, the value is not justified. I, I I can't even. What's funny to me, and just to go off a complete tangent, is how the PGA was running down this road for the last year and a half, two years, about the human rights issue in Saudi Arabia. Where are they talking about human rights now? No, I mean, the look. It's ludicrous. They, they went hypocrite. They went for the money. I wish they would have stood their ground because I thought, you know, at, at this particular time and place, we do, you know, where we always are, you know, so stressed out and passing judgment and debating and arguing, there should be certain things that we should all be able to agree upon. Mm -hmm. The Saudi Arabian government is not a friendly government. They can spend money on anything at any time, and it affects every single living human in the world. Absolutely. In their history, um, which directs, um, which is relevant to the United States, is not a good one. And this is not a political show, but we don't need, if anybody's living no. on this side of the turf, they kind of know from the history books what Saudi Arabia and, and their role in history with us directly. Yeah. So to avoid going down that rabbit hole, I'm just going to surmise it this way. Messi is now on, on air. I'm going to say it. He is the GOAT. He is the GOAT in my opinion. Uh, my opinion has shifted. I was a, in the Ronaldo camp for the longest time purely based upon my preferred style of player plus his cups plus everything else. But Messi adds a World Cup to the mix. And now at a tipping point in which money you know, typically persuades these types of decisions. Now, we don't know the details of the deal. It might be worth $10 billion. I don't care. He's not taking Saudi Arabian money. He's my goat. What? What is, uh, I'm just interested, uh, what does your nine-year-old Maxwell say? Has he? I haven't talked to him yet. I can't wait to get his impression. What I, is a nine-year-old guy that eats, breathes, sleeps soccer in this country, the youth you were talking yeah. about, what, what is his impression? No, I, I, think, I think that question is going to be a valid question, and the the enamored state of, you know, all these kids that play soccer, that play FIFA, mm -hmm. you know, the esports side of things, their God, their idol is now going to be playing 34 games a year minimum 
within 200 miles of a stadium uh, coming near to you. Correct. So uh, I should know this with being on a soccer podcast. Can, <laughs> and I don't know this, and this is gonna this is gonna show my ignorance. Can Messi speak English? Um, I don't know. It doesn't matter. He's not speaking Arabian. Yeah, he's not I doing can tell that. Tell you that. <laughs> so I'm gonna send him some Rosetta right. Stone. Yeah, compliments of Soccer Dad Pod. We'll give you, actually, why don't we start with the free Duolingo version? Yeah. (laughs) And then if he's appreciative, we'll upgrade it to the premium package. I'm going to text, I'm going to, I'm going to find him on Twitter and just be like, would you like to discuss the the, the terms of this deal on the Soccer Dad Pod? We will learn Spanish. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. So, yeah. So, um, we kicked off straight in the news because that's the biggest news in soccer in a long, long time. Uh, Quick recap. Uh, last few shows have just been hammers. Uh, we're getting tremendous feedback uh, about our last handful of guests from Pat Noonan. We've we've had Caden Glover's dad, Jason, came on talking about his club and process. Uh, you know, we had Hall of Famer Demarcus Beasley come on. They just told some fun stories. You know, we didn't get in the weeds. We kicked around, uh, tested the new concept, Soccer Mom Sunday with uh, my wife, Kim, two M's, her sister, Lindsay. And it was, it was one of those things where for families that are new to the game, new to the clubs, or kids that are maybe struggling or maybe even thriving, it was one of those conversations that everybody that, that, have, that has reached out, they're like, that's me or that helped. And... You know, it was fun. So we're going to do more of those. I like the Derek Burton episode. I mean, that. Oh, yeah, Derek. Back to the success that he's had with that program and the way he came off with his. um, I mean, he was very calm. He uh, he was well spoken. Um, There's there's, you know, if anybody was wondering why he has had the success success that he has had. Listen to the episode because that dude's an ace, and, yeah. and 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 that was a very informative episode, and I liked his take on things. Well, so here's the thing: that's a great transition because Derek laid out, you know, with his program, uh, you know, the Division One women's program over at SIUE, he talked a lot about um, player characteristics, styles, um, you know, things that he looks for off the field as well as on the field, leading up to the potential of a college career. Today's guest. I have a feeling is going to give us some of that insight as well uh, because we've, we've got a Hoosier coming on here and he's a St. Louis Hoosier, but now he's living in Bloomington and this is going to be another fun one. Oh, it's going to be awesome because his accolades have just been out of this park. I mean, yeah. So stick around because we're going to be talking to, like I said, a Hoosier from St. Louis that had a chance at a million bucks, didn't quite get it, but it was the coolest thing on TV in a while. We're going to be talking about the TST tournament, and we will be back in just a second. We're going to roll out with some more of our messy Encanto. El Canto. I don't know. We'll get it right next time. Here we go. The term staycation was really invented by soccer moms. Located one hour and seven minutes from the arch, the Music Box Chalet at Innsbruck is a hidden gem. Buried in three acres of private woods, the Music Box has a master suite for just you, a loft and second bath for them, and a vinyl collection to meet your every mood. The full-size kitchen will easily accommodate three to 12 bottles of rosé, while the huge fire pit seating area will keep the big kids busy. Golf, fishing, kayaking, pickleball, or simply reading a book with Mother Nature. 
all at your fingertips. Visit either VRBO or Airbnb to find the Music Box Chalet. And now, back to those guys. And we're back. Jared, you ready for this? Born ready. This is my guy. Yeah, we've got uh, we've got our other carpool co-host who's out doing life things with family from the car, decided he was going to dial in today on the road. Um, I love the dedication. You know, it's like when you're in the off season, he's still getting up and running kind of thing. Decided, I'm not missing it. So, Zach Lewis, how you doing, Zach? Doing good, guys. On the road in Macon on our way back from Kirksville for our daughter's orientation at Truman State. So I'm glad I could make it and excited to uh, talk to our guest. All right. Speaking of our guest, as I mentioned before the break, uh, we've got an STL Hoosier, a true STL Hoosier on the line. Um, you know, and we're not trying to be farcical here. We're literally taking primary descriptors of his life. And in true Soccer Bat Dad Pod, I, I messed up the name of our own show, Soccer Dad Pod style. We're going to bring back the walk-up tune. So here we go. All right. Today, we have, and it actually just occurred to me, for those of you listening, song today is called Indianapolis, sung by, written by a band from DeSoto, Missouri. So we have St. Louis Hoosiers that actually wrote the song Indianapolis for our guest today, Mr. Kevin Robeson from the Indiana University. How are you doing, Kevin? I'm good, man. Thanks. Uh, thanks for having me on. This is uh, the pinnacle of podcasts, I think, these days. So uh, <laughs> you, appreciate you guys asking me to be on here. Finally, finally, somebody, somebody is recognizing our worth around here. Well, that was awful nice of him. It was very nice. It was. I'm, I'm, I, I want you guys to throw me some softballs, I think. Che- checks so. in the mail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> just so you know, we're offering Messi Duolingo in English just in case you need something to sweeten your package, too. So. Yep. Our people is contacting them, people, and we're going to send him the English version, updated edition of Rosetta Stone because we we don't think he speaks English. I don't know what you guys are asking me today or what we're getting into, but we got some we got some heavy, heavy uh, things going on with the PGA Tour and live and uh, and Messi joining MLS today. So we can we can go all over the map here, I think. Well, I tell you what, let's just go right there, because that's the map we just left uh, before you came on. We were talking about me personally. Um, it's no secret within my circle of friends, soccer friends. I've always been a Ronaldo guy. I just stylistically, I just liked him as a player better. I kind of liked his attitude a little bit better. I don't know. There was something about him that I preferred. And, you know, so the debate for me was always like, I'm going to give Ronaldo a plus one. So, you know, back in December, whenever Messi walks away with the World Cup, okay, now I'm giving him a plus point two. Um, But we were talking earlier, he avoided the OPEC money. Um, and decided to come stateside. So now he's a plus one on my side. So what? what's your gut reaction now? Obviously, you're, you, you are neck deep in the world of soccer. Um, what was your initial thoughts when you saw that headline come across Twitter today? 
it, it was awesome. I mean, I I was so excited to to have a guy like that come to the MLS. I mean, he's still obviously, you know, maybe a little bit on the back nine a little bit here, but man, he's going to be such a draw and um, just fill up stadiums left and right. And um, he's still, he's still, he's still messy, man. And he's going to, he's going to have a big impact and hopefully, uh, hopefully he doesn't do it too bad to our, our St. Louis boys, but uh, hopefully he has a good, good impact around the, the rest of the league, but well, he will. Well, for you, um, because uh, I think your word goes a long way um, with your standing in the game, uh, speak to what what does he what does he do to our American game here with our American League? Um, what does he bring? I mean, uh, other than you know, we don't need to talk about the player. I mean, how does he impact this game for you here in our country? Yeah, I mean, I, I just think he brings a creativity and a, and a guy that that can play in a playing a phone booth better than anybody in the world, in my opinion, and. Um, a guy that, that can um, just, like I said, unbalance a defense at any point and unlike anybody else in the world, like I said. And I think that's a guy that when he gets into a stadium, you're going to know exactly where he's at. And um, that's maybe something that, that the MLS is missing just a touch um, is a guy that just brings that type of energy and that type of uh, that type of game to, a, to an MLS arena so let me let me ask you your just kind of your personal preference or maybe your opinion because uh, you were a teenager whenever mls uh was uh born um prop well maybe even a little bit younger than that um so you you're fully cognizant of all of the players specifically those that were in you know you said he's on the back nine i think that's a great descriptor of uh, this particular transaction, because historically what we've got was somebody in the bottom of the ninth, <laughs> you know, for, you know, <laughs> we're going to switch analogies here. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, the early days, those European signings, you know, and, and frankly, even Beckham at the time, because of everything that he had exited out of over the years, when you look at all of those names, do any of them even come close to Messi at this point in his career uh, value play at 35? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, yeah. I mean, and, and he's, I mean, 35 is, you know, I don't, I don't think that's too, too old. I mean, like I said, I think it's a little bit, maybe a touch past his prime, but not crazy. I mean, I think yeah, it, to answer your question, no, I don't think there's been a transaction this big in the history of, of our league. And um, to say that, um, you know, with the league where it's at, especially for, for us, uh, you know, us St. Louisans, um, what a great, time to be in this league and and you know the mls just keeps getting better and for a guy like messi to to want to finish maybe not finish up maybe he's got another contract after this um to to want to make his mark in america is uh i mean massive massive day for 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 u.s soccer and, and the mls yeah you know it's one of those things it's 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 kind of goes so much uh further beyond the financial impact, you know, you, you mentioned it out of the gate, you know, the, the, the stadiums are going to fill up quicker. Um, Jersey sales are going to go through the roof. You know, all of these things economically are going to benefit the league. The television package is going to get better. Um, and I don't think it's a coincidence that we were talking earlier that the shit, the youth game is going to grow. Yeah, I mean, the, it's going to yeah, continue to just, grow even more. How can it grow even more? It's going, it's going to. Yeah. And I, I, I think that the, in the, the, immeasurable aspect of this whole thing is the the youth impact like how many kids now um specifically that come from more urban environments uh 
kids that are from uh, neighborhoods or communities that are typically big four based, specifically NBA, football, et cetera. Yeah. Uh, now you have legitimately a top five Instagram influencer, TikTok influencer. I mean, in the world of sport, pop sport, there's very, very few bigger. So are you looking, do, what, what do you think will happen in, again, more the urban metro markets? Do you think that he's going to have more of an impact there? Or is this just kind of a general impact? I think it's, I definitely think it's both. I think he is going to have a, an impact on, on younger kids that maybe, um, you know, are deciding between football or soccer or, or basketball, even in, in the urban areas. But um, I think soccer is, you know, I think those players in those areas now are, are just going to be more, um, are going to be drawn more to MLS markets, like, you know, in MLS arenas like that, that we've talked about. But um, I think players playing multiple sports is so critical. And I, I mean, I know that's, um, you know, that might be an unpopular opinion or even a popular opinion. I'm not sure, but players that, that at young ages play baseball, football, soccer. I know you might have to choose between football and soccer because they're relatively in the same, uh, same season. But um, if you're able to play basketball, soccer, baseball, I think that is such a big time advantage uh, for those young kids in, in the, those areas. And um, like I said, I think soccer will be them uh, seeing Messi will we'll maybe, maybe, uh, you know, drag them into soccer a little bit quicker. Yeah. Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, I got a more tactical question for you. So Barcelona kind of built their team around the style of play for Messi as he matured in that system under Pap and, and later. And I'm curious that how do you think Miami could build around a, a, a player like that in that false nine who doesn't ever come back on defense um, and really re requires – getting the ball up top. So I'm just curious from a tactical standpoint, how you think it's going to do in the league? Yeah. I mean, I, I've been taught, you know, I, I talk about the league a lot with, with people, you know, within my kind of circle, I guess. And um, first I'll, I'll give a ton of credit to, to St. Louis and how they built it right now. I mean, I, at times, you know, people might be like, oh, it's maybe not the most stylistically pleasing, uh, you know, way to play the way they, they, you know, but they're not the way that they've built it and they have a strict identity, I think has been really cool to watch and um, so much credit to what they've done and um, how quickly they've, you know, gotten off to the right foot. I think they're in first place right now, if I'm not mistaken. And yeah. um, so to be able to build a team around, you know, the way you want to play is so critical. So, um, you know, to be able to implement a guy like Messi within a team could be a little tricky, right? I mean, if you put Messi into St. Louis right now, of course, we'd probably all take him. But, like, is that going to help St. Louis? I, I don't know necessarily in terms of results. Right. Um, just because is he going to do the the work that Peter Stroud's done, the work that, you know, uh, Jacchini's done, you know, the, all these guys in St. Louis that are so bought into the, what they're trying to do. Um, so, yeah. So in, in Miami, um, hopefully they have the right, the right way, the right players around him that, that will do some of that, that grunt work um, to, to be able to allow him to be almost a free player at times, but, um, or you get players that, that are at, you know, that can, that can combine with him in the final third and, and be able to produce goals. But, yeah. um, it's, it, it's got, we, you know, the way we build things here at IU and, and what I've seen with St. Louis, um, I think there's a lot of similarities and, 
And um, I, I think you got to have a true identity. And, and like I said, I haven't seen enough of Miami to see what they're about, but I'll be really intrigued to see if Messi can really lead them, um, you know, to, to results in a league that it's tough to get results. Yeah. Is yeah. It, well, what I, I want to follow up on that real quick and then uh, go ahead, Jared. But um, because what I wanted to point out, you were talking about uh, uh, team style, St. Louis style in particular, uh, you know, uh, uh, your buddy, our buddy, uh, ex guest, uh, Pat and his team there in Cincinnati, same thing, you know, it's very stylistically driven. Um, and I don't think it's, uh, ironic or weird that when you look at MLS this year and you look at the teams that are in the top five on each, each side of the spectrum, they tend to have very definable styles, but more importantly, they're not, they're not living and dying by their DPs. Right. And there are a lot of teams that are below th those standings uh, that are struggling, that have, you know, more marquee players. So do you think that Messi could potentially just be one? I mean, look, he's Messi. He is the greatest. You want him in your locker room. You don't care. Like he could have two broken ankles. You're still going to sign him, you know, because you want him around. So um, just kind of wondering, you know, do you, long term as an ambassador, could we have scored a better ambassador at this stage in their career than Messi? See, yeah, I don't I don't think so, because I'm a messy guy. Right. I love the way he plays. I love what he can do. Um, I think uh, what he can bring. Um, I do think Messi will put in the work, too. He's not a guy that's yeah. going to come in and, and not put in the work. And that's this league is I mean, you guys, you know, you guys know the league. You, you've watched every St. Louis game, I'm assuming. I mean, we, St. Oh, Louis is winning because they're talented. They're talented, <laughs> but they're also they have an identity and they know how to win. And everybody is so bought in. And yep. um, I think Messi will. I hope he comes into Miami and gets those guys to to all be better players. Right. And can he make them better just by his presence and, and get them to, to buy in and work? And, and I think he will. And that's what I think is different about Messi is that I do think his his team will will reap the benefits of him just being in the lineup. Um, but I do think he'll set the example. And when your best player is your hardest worker, that's when that's when results happen. And, and Messi's not going to take his foot off the pedal. Well, and I think it will help also with uh, the coaching departure, um, the release of the coach, the English coach. Um, they kind of have a clean slate. They have an interim guy, and in what I think his name is Javier. He was assistant coach there. Um, so maybe this was all timing. Uh, maybe they knew something before he's actually committed. But he's coming in, and I would imagine with his pedigree and his age and his accolades and um, his know-how, if you will, um, I mean, is he the next Jackie Moon? I mean, he. I mean, is he not the player coach? I mean, I mean, is he going to go in there and be like, "This is how we're going to play, Jackie. We're, we're going to buy in"? You know, <laughs> I mean, really, I mean, he got DeAndre Yedlin on the team. He he works his ass off, so he's a guy that can you you can plug in and work hard. Um, I, I just, I think with the clean slate, it could be a perfect, you know, uh, just a perfect scenario for an entry of Messi into that team format. Yeah. Um, so I want to shift backwards a little bit, Kevin. Um, uh, we, we know, uh, those that know, you know, that you, you, uh, came from Chaminade, you, you, you played high school there. Where, where did you grow up here in the area? If you don't so mind. I grew up in St. St. Peter's, Missouri, um, oh. and uh, actually went to uh, Assumption Grade School. And and um, think about what that that, that place is kicked out. Assumption Grade School. <laughs> I yeah, we've I, had some I don't good know. Guys I mean, 
I'm sure you're about to tell me. Well, Josh Sargent. <laughs> That's not what I thought you. <laughs> Sargent for sure. Yeah. But, uh, so, so well, here, here's where I'm going with him. We we can get into Jared's uh, love affair with everything east of the Missouri or west of the Missouri River <laughs> in a second. <laughs> but um, I mean, you're a homer. You're a St. Louis kid. Uh, you grew up watching the Cardinals. You you know you played soccer, youth soccer here uh, at the clubs, and you played at Chaminade. Um, but what I, what I'm really curious about, and I ask most of our St. Louis guests, um, when you found out, when you knew uh, that the rumors were true that St. Louis was going to be awarded the the expansion team, when you found out who the ownership group was, and you knew who was going to be involved, and you started seeing the early chess pieces fall into place, you know, talk a little bit about um, spending your life with the game, basically, and now your hometown. <clears throat> not only scored the long-awaited team, but is doing what they're doing. Uh, what does it mean to you? What does uh, City SC mean to you as a St. Louis kid? Uh, talk about those early feelings. Yeah, um, it was. It really was. Like I think we all kind of had that same emotion of just like it was just it was due. It was time. It was St. Louis deserved to have a team. It's a it's a soccer city. It's um, Capital. You know, like said, it's, I'm a, I'm a it's capital. Yeah. It's the capital, man. It's, uh, <laughs> it's the mecca. It's the mecca. So uh, for us to get a team, the the passion um, and, and just the amount of um, history that the city has, um, being able to talk about it with other and planning events around the city games. You know what what I do with my family now. Like, well, you know, we're going to Florida. Like I said, in a couple of weeks, and um, you know, we're already planning where we're going to watch the city game, and that's just like. How cool is that? Just the, yeah. that little thing is like, man, we're, we want to make sure we're somewhere on Saturday to, to make sure we're watching City. So um, to have that ability to to cheer for a team and to have something that means so much to all of us. Um, and and I, I, I could tell by the way they were building it and the way they were talking that I just knew, I, I felt like it was going to be special. I just thought they had a clear identity. They knew what they wanted to do. They knew the type of player they wanted. Um, and I think Carnell, uh, the type of coach he was, the system he came from with the Red Bull, I just thought he was the perfect guy. And and I didn't know much about Lutz, but I, I just loved the way that he was able to, um, you know, kind of let let the chips fall. And he didn't he didn't want to have those crazy DPS. Um, he has some good DPS, I'll tell you that right now. And they hit on those guys. Well, I mean, but, would you would you say uh, have you seen a better goalie in MLS in the past ten years? No, I'm, I might get in trouble for uh, not saying my boy Roman Celentano at <laughs> No, I know, but I'm, <laughs> no, I'm I'm, no, no offense been, to Roman, but but Berkey yeah, is yeah, like, no. um, yeah, you know the, the the thing is like, um, kind of following up on 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 this topic, um, we we love talking to individuals like yourself. We love getting these stories out because we know, and we were kind of joking and alluding to it just a second ago, you know. Uh, this isn't just a soccer city. We're more than soccer city. We know that. Um, so what's cool is like, as you guys are all spread out literally all over the country, <clears throat> the, the loyalty and the understanding of this is not an expansion team. Yes, we are in our first year of playing within a particular standing list. But talk a little bit about your, uh, your own experience and your feelings as it applies to you know, the, the club scene, the club teams that you've played on, uh, your high school environment, you know, and kind of the ghosts of Christmas past, right? Uh, and what what that means to 
uh, booing the team. You know, what, what's your what's your two cents there? Yeah. So I mean, um, you know, just like I said, kind of getting to go to 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 these academy events, you know, so I get to recruit for a living, and and I love being at games and watching games. But um, you know, having obviously before it was St. Louis Scott Gallagher, and I would you know, hawk those fields. Cause I want to recruit players from St. Louis. Um, you know, it's, it's just what I do. You've done right? pretty well and, at that too, mind you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's something that, uh, you know, I just have, a, I know what I'm going to get typically and coach Yeagley knows what we're going to get when um, we go to the St. Louis market, but um, to be able to have an MLS, you know, team uh, at those events with that, that's rep representing St. Louis city and a team that's going to be relevant um, on the national stage and teams, I should say with, you know, the 17s, 15s, 16s, um, the product that they put out, you know, they're going to be competitive. And, um, you know, growing up playing for St. Louis, Scott, Ga or I guess Scott Gallagher at the time and, you know, playing against Bush soccer club and um, the rivalries were, were unbelievable. Right. And, and you had that, but just the, um, the coaching right now and, and, um, the events that these players get to play in, I mean, the notoriety and, and, um, the ability to get seen is, uh, it's, it's unbelievable what they've done with soccer in the country. And, um, I do miss some of those Bush Scott Gallagher rivalries. I'm not going to lie. I think those were, uh, <laughs> Those were pretty amazing, and some of my favorite games I ever got to play in um, as a youth player were, you know, state state cup championship, you know, Bush Scott Gallagher at, um, you know, at, at Sportport, and um, those were just some of the most epic games I, I ever got to play in, honestly. And um, but at the same time, what they've done with St. Louis City um, to be, you know, on the on the you know kind of adapt and evolve as a soccer city, um, it's it's been monumental. Let's let's talk about your your love of coaching. I mean, because your story is, to me, knowing the little bit about it that I do, is is mind blowing to me. So you you clearly had a a, a very successful um, you know high school career, club career. Then you parlayed that into a very successful uh, player at IU, the, your your alma mater, uh, where you're coaching at, as most people know. Um, so you, you graduate IU, uh, communication degree, I think, and you go and you get a pretty nice job and you're in a pretty good metropolitan area. And then you move to another one you're, you're working with AB in marketing, um, probably having a lot of fun at that age. Um, talk about that transition where your love of coaching, coaching that Real Colorado youth team, you just knew that, you know, this job is good and coaching is where I need to be. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, I was in um, I worked uh, work, was working right out of college for Anheuser Busch. Um, got to travel the country, go to go to you know I went to the World Series, Daytona 500, Sundance Film Festival, wow. you know Buffalo Bills home openers, um, uh, South Carolina football games. So we got to travel the country and go to all these unbelievable events. And then uh, moved out to Boston for a year, and then moved out to Colorado for three and. Um, I was out in Colorado working for Anheuser Bush and also coaching a youth team and um, just, you know, I was, I felt like I was always at my best, you know, I'd work eight to five and then coach from, you know, six, six thirty to eight, um, you know, like two or three times a week. And um, I just knew I, I was like, I, I loved when I was with the, my players and I loved being in that environment and being around the game that, you know, provided me so much. And um, there was an opening as, as a volunteer assistant here in 2013. Um, what was the word volunteer? So you're four years into this AB career <laughs> and you take the opening volunteer position. 
Um, do we need to go down the financial road on what that means to everybody? Be, be, because Holy this is an, shit. This is an economics it, class too, you know. Yeah, yeah. If we're getting into economics, I might, I might fail that course. <laughs> go ahead. But, I didn't mean to cut in. Go ahead. <laughs> no, so yeah, I took, I took, uh, you know, I connected with Coach Yeggs, and I told him, you know, I, I just, you know. I, I loved coaching. I loved what I was doing. And I think I was ready to, to make, uh, make it, you know, I wanted to be, have it be my career. So he's like, Hey, I have an opening. Um, it's a volunteer coach. Uh, so AKA you're not getting a salary. And, um, so I had to take a pretty big financial hit, move across from Denver to, to Bloomington, Indiana. And, um, with my girlfriend at the time. Um, and, and I knew she was the one when she followed me for, uh, went for a volunteer position across the country to Bloomington, Indiana. So, um, we were just at so, the yeah, Daytona so, 500 last year. Yeah. And now we're going well, to now, wait a second, Bloomington, though. Wait Indiana a second. for free. Hold, hold on a second though. How, how many years were you with AB prior? Uh, so I was in Denver for three and then Boston for one. So, it was, so uh, it was about four and a half years. So if my math's right, that's approximately 96 cases of free beer that you would have got over that time frame. <laughs> so when you left, did you have anything else in the U-Haul other than 94? It, it, was, uh, it was a lot of, it was a, Bud, a lot of Bud Light neons, <laughs> a lot of Bud Light neons in the, in the U-Haul. So uh, we had a good, we had me and me and my now wife uh, drove across and, uh, uh, you know, stopped in St. Louis, and I think she was like, "Where am I going um, with this guy? That's that's the volunteer coach." So, uh, <laughs> wait, 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 no, wait, wait, no, wait a second though, because did you stop in St. Louis or did you stop in St. Peter's? Because there is a difference yeah. between the two. <laughs> yeah, well, let me tell you this, Kev. Uh, we'll get into that. I will say this uh, for me. Um, working every day, going to a job that I, I mean, I'll just be frank. I, I'm not really excited to go. Um, I'm envious of you because, um, you took a chance at a young yeah. age to do what you truly loved and, and with your success and, and we'll get into that here in, in the episode. Um, just, I'm proud of you. It's kudos to you for doing what you love. There's a lot of people that don't do it and you, you took a chance and did it and that's fucking dynamite. Thanks. No, I, uh, I appreciate it. And yeah, it was, it was definitely, uh, I was definitely worried at the time. And, um, but I also knew like, I, I felt like I could be good in, at this. Um, I felt like it was definitely my passion, and um, like I said, uh, Coach Eggs, you know, took a chance on me as a as a as a young coach, and um, just tried to always work hard to to impress him and and make the program better. Well, I tell you what, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna take a quick break because that's a perfect stop because we we, we want to get into the uh, old nitty gritty here in just a second. So what I'm gonna do is I am going to uh, roll us out real quick. And when we come back, we're going to hear a whole lot more about state championships, national championships, talk shit on Kansas City, maybe some pizza debate, all that good stuff. All right. You, you good with that? I'm down. I can't wait. <laughs> all right. Here we go. We're going to roll out with a little bit more Indianapolis. I know. See, the problem with Indiana music, let me just say this real quick before we go to break. Other than John Cougar Mellencamp, it is very hard to to dig into the state of Indiana for tunes because typically we can pick a city like you know now Cincinnati was kind of funny because we went WKRP well they got Christmas Indiana do some Christmas tunes oh, that's not a bad idea <laughs> San, no, San, Santa Claus Santa Claus Santa Claus Indiana. Yeah. Jackson, yeah. Five. Santa Claus, you know, Jackson, Jackson 5 ah, but that's Motown or do, uh, or do a little Jasper Indiana with uh, Scott Rowland oh so, there we go I like that Rowland. 
All right, so we're gonna, we're gonna roll out real quick. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna be right back with Kevin, people. I'm Max, and I'm nine years old. When I'm not playing soccer, jumping on a trampoline, or playing Xbox, with permission, of course, I listen to the Baked In podcast with Josh Allen. Josh talks to some of the most incredible business leaders in St. Louis. From Maxine Clark of Build-A-Bear to Gerard Kraft, the chief flavor officer for my favorite team, St. Louis City SC. There's something for everyone. If you're interested in the secret sauce of success, check out the Baked In Podcast. Now, back to those old guys. All right, we're back, people. I'm selfish with this tune right now. It's a good tune. It, is it really tune. is. It's a good tune. You can't go wrong with it. What do you think? Here we go. Take, take a listen, guys. Here we go. Tell you why, too. Right, right. There we go. I think he sounds like your brother. Dana has a little bit of that kind of not really country guy with a country twang. Only that, I mean, this guy. This is Tyler Childers, right? Um, going to his concert on Friday night. That's why I played you are? it. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I missed out on tickets. And out of the blue, a friend was like, I have four. I can't go. Want to trade? So he took some city tickets and I took Tyler Childers. So going to head out with the boys. Nice. You're, are, you a Tyler, are you a Tyler fan, Ke- Kevin? I don't know. I know. I don't know enough about them. It's pretty close to Indiana. They're actually just south of you guys, Kentucky. Oh, so, <laughs> no, not done. <laughs> <laughs> no. So we're we're back. We're we've got Mr. Kevin Robson from uh, Indiana University, uh, director of recruiting, correct? Assistant coach. What what is the official title? When people yeah. when kids call the school because they want you to give them money, what do they call you? <laughs> Uh, associate head coach slash recruiting coordinator. Ah. I don't know what I don't know any other titles he wants to give me right now, but that's, that's <laughs> what I officially <laughs> Well, there's a lot of titles that could be way worse. Well, logis- logistics planner. You probably yeah, do a lot of logistics. I don't, I, don't, I don't know if I'd be uh, good at that, but that's not me. Well, as long as you're not bail money coordinator, <laughs> you know. <laughs> not yet. Not yet. <laughs> All right, here's what we're going to do. What I'd like to do at this point, I'd like to go back in time a little bit, you know, because we've alluded to, mentioned a little bit of your roots. Um, You grew up in St. Peter's. Uh, I mentioned uh, your high school alma mater. Uh, You mentioned Gallagher. Um, Just just give everybody a quick kind of trip down memory lane, um, you know, starting starting really with your Chaminade days, because you guys had two, two, two years at the top, and then uh, let's get into the transition to IU. Uh, talk talk about Chaminade days, those state titles, who you played with, you know, you know, what, what did that mean to you? Yeah, I mean, I, I was fortunate. I, I got to play under some unbelievable coaches just throughout my my life. Tommy Howe was my coach for about 10 years, and um, I mean, it was it was unbelievable having him and, and then Vader into, into Chaminade. I actually played at St. Dominic for one season, um, Jared's alma mater. Um, oh really? So, uh, I never heard. I did. I did. So I played <laughs> played one season at St. Dominic and then transferred to Chaminade. Um, after the one my that got year. away. The one that got away. <laughs> it was uh, 
it was tough. I love St. Dominic. It was such a good year and, and played basketball and uh, played basketball and golf there. It was an unbelievable year, freshman year. It was so much fun. And uh, But all my Gallagher buddies were, were over at Chaminade and um, got to club soccer. And it was almost like I, I, I just wanted to be be a part of that. I guess I was, uh, you know, making the making um dream teams before uh before that was kind of a thing i guess the big three or whatever you want to call it the, with the miami heat and um all that so uh yeah so we went to we went to i ended up going to chaminade and, and playing under vader um and, and we were fortunate to get there uh the first two state titles in, in school history my junior and senior year and wow. um that led me into um into iu and and kind of from there but uh who were some of the guys on that chaminade yeah i was gonna say go ahead and name drop a little bit um so like our our junior year team was was pretty special um we had um uh, danny Wynn who who played at st louis university alex madison who played at st louis university um mo benny who played at st louis university kyle hensey went to stanford um matt hoff went to harvard um mark twelman played at, at Rockhurst, uh, Tim Toretta played at Butler, Aaron Thompson played at D- Butler. So yeah, I just rattled off our, our starting lineup and uh, they all division one players. So uh, it was a fun high school team to, to be a part of. Um, Tim Calico was, was the player of the year, our junior year. Um, he, uh, he ended up at SIUE. Um, I think he transferred from, from UMKC possibly and back to SIUE, but Cooper McKee, another stud that he ended up uh, at Stanford and then back at, back at SLU. So wow, it was, a, it was a team. The who's who of that era. That's for sure, man. You guys had a hammer team. I mean, I, Vader had to just be licking his chops. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was, that was kind of like, uh, you know, that was also the years in which uh, there was, there was transition in, in the high school uh, scene where, you know, prior to that, the the, the previous quote you know, next closest generation was really the big four. You had you had Slu, Viani, Desmet, CBC. That going up into the mid '90s, in particular, and late '90s. I mean, they were juggernauts, and you know the uh, the Chaminade years and all that was really right around that time frame in which things were kind of uh, spreading out into other schools. Kind of changing of the guard. Yeah, really. I mean, it, it really was. So you were part of that process. So you know, so, and that's amazing. I, I I love those stories because that's part of that foundation that we were talking about earlier. That St. Louis has our our team has an unfair head start that most other. Uh, teams in the league, they don't get it. They don't understand the culture that we have here. You know, when you talk about a, a team like your junior year, how, how many D1, uh, you know, uh, it, eight, it was, nine? It was our entire starting lineup. Wow. And then yeah. even one of our bench guys played at, played at Butler. So, um, I mean, it was, uh, you know, and then going to soccer park and just watching, um, you know, the Brad Davis, Kevin Thibodeau era at, at Chaminade, Tommy Dolan. Um, watching them play CBC in front of six, 7,000 people at soccer park. I mean, those are the games that, that I wanted to be a part of. Right. And, um, and that's, you know, a big reason why I think I, I ended up at Chaminade. Well, um, I, I, you didn't I'm, like Duchenne in the mud hole in O'Fallon? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I'm glad you brought it up that way because I am really curious your take. Um, you know, we talk about this topic often, the whole academy versus high school and everything else. And you, Given your role as, you know, you're traveling all over the country, you're a recruiter, you're trying to bring kids to one of the, if not the most premier soccer uh, powerhouse in D1 history. Um, 
you you see the environment of a showcase, the environment of even the tournaments like the GA Cup, et cetera, at the MLS Academy levels. That's different. It's different. The whole culture, the sidelines, all of that. What do you ever think about? Like uh, what these kids uh, are uh, benefiting from in the current environment versus what they're missing that you experienced that you know that we all experienced. Yeah, no, it's a great that's a great topic and, and one that we constantly talk about. And, um, you know, I brought it up a little bit earlier, you know, how, how much exposure these kids get, you know, cause I guess back in my day, you know, when I'm playing at in front of six, 7,000 people, and, um, you know, in those games at soccer park in, in the state semifinals and, um, the quarterfinals, if we're playing, you know, Rockhurst or CBC or Desmet, um, you know, maybe they don't have that, but they also, we wouldn't have, you know, 200 coaches watching us at, at an event. So right. it's definitely a give and take, um, you know, everybody's path, you know, I, we say it a lot. To, it's so different. I mean, my path was way different than the kids today. And I think that's so important to understand that. Um, Cause I don't think I would have traded my experience for anything. I really wouldn't have playing in those games, but also, you know, there's a kid, your guys's kids um, that I don't think, I think the path that they're doing right now fits what they're supposed to do. And, and I think, um, that's, that's important to understand that, you know, yeah, Pat Noonan said that almost, uh, uh, almost the exact same thing. He, he really did. And it's kind of the same era and, and it's, it's coaches in our game, like you guys that are that successful, um, it, it, it's it's eerie how similar those responses are. Well, yeah, you know, and let's let's just let's kind of sit on the uh, doctor's couch here for a second. Um, you know, and in given the role that you have and the experience you have in dealing and engaging with you know, all levels of really high performing players, uh, you know, from the MLS academies to independent clubs, et cetera, you know, talk for a second to parents and specifically about, you know, the experience of their, you know, managing, uh, the team that they pick, the culture that they lean into, how important is that and how much more attention should parents pay to not just focusing on, Who's the pinnacle team? What's my, you know, where is my wish list uh, 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 jersey going to come from? Talk about all of that, if you if you could, for a second. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, if you look at our roster, you know, you just go to iuhoosiers.com and you'll see players from, you know, this year we have three players from our incoming class that that played high school soccer. So their path was different then, but we also have some academy players. So if you're good enough, I mean, we're, we're going to find you. Um, and we're going to, we're going to be at events. We're going to talk to people that, that tell us where you're playing and, and I'm going to make a trip to, to St. Louis to, to come watch you. Um, but in saying that, you know, I, I'm not going to be at a ton of high school games, right? Um, I'm going to be at the St. Louis city Academy games at, and the showcase in Dallas in a couple of weeks. So if you are in a high school environment, it is going to be big that your current coaches are, are, you know, pushing your name out there. You're attending RID camp. Um, you're just going to have to find a different way to get in front of maybe the coaches that you're you're looking towards. But I mean, to be honest, like we we do, we like having a little bit of a mix of high school players and academy players. We like having that balance, that mix. Um, you know, a little bit of different personality. We don't want to have the same type of player up and down our roster. So. Um, we think it's great when players come from different backgrounds. Um, you know, a player that plays high school that 
that plays basketball as well that you know also played yeah um yeah we love that we love that multi-dimensional player that that was the star at his high school um but then also a guy maybe in the academy that necessarily didn't start and then started so he had to deal with some adversity and i think we really i think do a really nice job of of balancing our roster to get that perfect blend and i think that's why those you know, stars we've been successful yeah. yeah the stars on your jersey say you probably do a pretty nice job <laughs> <laughs> yeah go ahead man finish what yeah, you're saying no, sorry oh no, we're good now yeah, no we have we have talent and obviously you know we go and, and find some of the top players in the country but at the same time i mean uh you know we really do look for certain skill sets and, and guys that that um have ability to you know, maybe they are the star on a weaker team and we're just like, man, that kid just knows how to win. Like, let's get him. And then, um, you know, or a kid in the academy that's maybe not the star on his team, but man, he knows how to, he's the glue that, that keeps that team going. So um, it's, it is, there's so many good players in this country. It's, uh, it, it's a lot of timing and it's a lot about, um, you know, what our team needs at that specific class sure. in that moment. So, so let's, let's go back backwards just a little bit then, because I want to ask you personally, because with the, you know, the, the title of this show is self-explanatory, right? Soccer Dad Pod. Most of the people that we talk to are soccer dads or around the game, et cetera. But I'm really curious about your own personal story with your dad. Uh, and, and we've asked a few individuals that have gone down the path like yourself where you know, you're know, you exiting out of your junior year, you just won state, you know that you know, you're prospecting into your senior year at Chaminade, you, you're expecting to play beyond high school. Um, talk about your introduction to Coach Yeagley, the the IU uh, machine. Um, you know, was was that always your goal, and and how did that relationship come about? Yeah, so um, I was definitely I didn't know much about the process. So I mean, it, like you know, kind of those players out there right now that don't know a ton about the process. That's okay. Um, you know, I, I do recommend to, you know, maybe start looking at some schools, you know, maybe about your sophomore year, um, just maybe, you know, uh, you know, venturing out and, and just seeing what college soccer is about, if that's your goal. But, uh, you know, I was fortunate enough to, to get seen. Um, I think a lot of the alums at IU did some of my recruiting, right? So they would, they're the ones that are calling Coach Yeagley and Coach Freitag at the time and and telling them, hey, you know, you need to take a look at this this player in St. Louis that that might have what it takes at, at IU. And um, they came to ESP to watch me play that back then. I don't know if you guys remember that camp. Um, it was yep. kind of the the mecca. I was lucky to get in, invited, and I remember them coming to watch me play. And um, uh, I thought my parents did a great job of of just helping and guiding me through the process. They didn't put a ton of pressure and and just let me um, talk to the coaches themselves um, or myself, I should say. And they were just there to kind of guide me and, and let me make a, a good decision. And um, I, I think they did an unbelievable job of helping me um, do that. But IU, like, you know, I was lucky to, to get seen there at, at ESP. And, and um, but like I said, the, the alums, I think, did a great job of pushing my name to, to IU. And every kid can get seen in a different way. Um, yeah. and, and that was that was how I got, I think, to the front of, of the list at IU. So we asked uh, Pat this question, you know, when when it was time and they knew they wanted you and, you, you know, you were sitting there because I'm sure you received other offers or had to at least entertain other offers. Talk about uh, the call or the letter and who found out first, mom or dad? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, so uh, I actually got recruited. Um, it was kind of when the in-house visits were were a thing. So, um, you know, Coach Freitag came to my house and um, uh, gave me my offer um, in front of my, we were eating Nemo's and Toasted Grabs. How St. Louis is that, right? And uh, I remember it like yesterday. Uh, he came to my house and, and gave me an offer. And, uh, you know, my, my mom and dad are sitting there. I remember my little brother across the table. Uh, he was at the table as well. And, um, you remember like yesterday, these things, right. And, yeah. um, and, and, uh, he gave me the offer. I didn't say yes right away. Cause you know, I did have, you know, I had Wisconsin and, and Creighton were two big ones, um, on me that were pretty, uh, pretty nice offers as well and had to make a decision. So I didn't say yes right away, but, uh, Definitely was was really excited when when Coach Fry gave me that offer, and then um, Coach Jerry Yegley called me uh, when I the second I got back from ESP, and I remember my mom yelling up the stairs, "Coach Yegley's on the phone!" It was pretty cool, and and she woke did, me did up. Did she at least like tired. cover? The, the, the yeah, yeah, no, she, I think she just held it. The twenty five foot phone cord. <laughs> yeah, she should have just walked it up there. It, it would have been a snake. I, you know? I, had a, I had a phone in my room, and uh, she woke me up, and I had to take the call. And he said, you know, in his deep voice, "I heard you did great in ESP." So it was fun. It was cool. Um, getting recruited, you know, you, I always say it's a kids. You know, uh, you only get recruited once, and yeah, it's a, it's a really cool thing. I mean, it, any school that wants you is just it's it's just a really cool honor. It shows you know what your kids have done and how hard they've worked and um i think that's that's a really cool thing to to get recruited um and so, i think kids should take visits so your your years at iu were um uh good <laughs> to to great uh you were part of two national championship teams and i um, think he led the, the the teams in those national championship run he was the like the top assist guy. Yeah. Is that, yeah. I mean, how about that? I, my, yeah. Yeah. So my, my freshman and sophomore years, um, I was a reserve. Um, so I, I came, I was playing behind guys like Mike Ambersley and, <laughs> um, and, uh, Lee Wynn and, uh, Jacob Peterson and Ned Grabovoy, some Titans in the MLS and, um, a couple St. Louis so, names in there too. Yeah, I had to wait. I had to wait my turn. And, um, you know, I also think that's a that's a big thing that, you know, maybe nowadays kids might transfer right away or um, if they're not playing that second. And, um, you know, I think I think my patience did really pay off. And um, I think that was a big part of you know, some adversity that I faced, you know, kind of being the guy my whole life and then coming into IU and uh, struggling, honestly. Um, you know, I wasn't playing right away. And uh, but I had to kind of do what I had to do to help the team win. And, um, I was, you know, I made, made some plays to, to help us win some games off the bench and, um, you know, I got some key assists and, That's awesome. and some moments, but, uh, it was, it was a really tough time to not be the guy. Um, and I think a lot of freshmen got to understand that, that, you know, especially if they go to some big time schools, even if they don't go to a big time school, like you've got some men in these programs, you know, that are, you know, 20, 21, 22, and you're maybe 18, 17, 18, you're going to, you're going to face some, some, some tough days. Um, yeah. You got a lot going on in college. That's so well said. Got it. Got to understand what, what, what's going to, what's coming your way. Yeah, that, that That's absolutely well said. And, and, and for my opinion, which I don't know that anybody's listening to the show for, for my, um, <laughs> you, uneducated will, you will opinion, be, he but, listens to every episode uh, by the way. Like my thoughts are that, you know, a program like yourselves and we can sit here and name 20, 30 programs or whatever they are. Um, they're getting a different class of kid and player 
And I, I think it might be easier at some of those schools to, to really buy your time, buy into the system with the stars on the sleeves and, 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 and the amount of MLS guys that are in the league or, or just flat-out pros. The transfer thing here has ruined all of college sports, not even soccer, <laughs> because it's giving the kids a mentality that if it gets tough – um, leave. I'm going to leave. And, 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 you know, and I guess there's a reason to transfer and there's probably situations where it makes sense, but there's way too many situations in my opinion that, that kids are just flat out picking up shop and leaving because, um, it's a little tough. And, and I think that's really where the parents come in. Um, and I hope to be a parent like that one day, if I have the opportunity, because I know for my situation and I can probably speak for your situation, knowing your family, um, those calls home when you're freshman and sophomore year, I mean, your parents weren't going to take no shit. No, you're not going to quit. No, you're not going to go anywhere else. Even if you had the right. option, you're going to sit there, you're going to work your ass off and you're going to prove yourself. And, and being able to tuck tail and run and oftentimes it just, it, it's maddening to me. Yeah. So I guess the question is this then the transfer portal for you, do you have, um, cause obviously you know, Jared's right. It's completely changed the landscape of the game, uh, you know, because so many programs are everybody wants to win. A few are expected to win. And then there's a another layer of elite uh, few that win or see you. You know, it's one of those things. So how how has the transfer portal kind of shifted and adjusted your own strategy uh, from the here and now versus that character culture building blocks that IU has really been built on. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, it's tough, right? Cause I mean, we, you know, we played a team like Syracuse in the, in the national championship game and, and they had six transfers on the, you know, starting. And so they built a team straight off of transfers. Now there's no, I mean, there's nothing, that's just the way they did it. Right. And so, um, yeah, we have to balance that. We really do, because is the 18-year-old freshman ready to go or is the 21-year-old, you know, transfer from school B better than him? He probably is, right? So the, the transfer might be better, but is the freshman the, the guy that um, is going to buy into the program and, and be more ready? So you have to balance that. And, and I, was, I would be naive to tell you that we, you know, we're not going to use the transfer portal. Um, I think it is important that you that you look at all your options and understand to, so you can stay competitive and stay at the top because um, you need good players to win. I'm a better coach when I have better players. I know that. Um, so uh, so it's it's difficult to understand, like, you know, are we going to go the transfer portal or are we going to take the 18 year old freshman who's more ready to play that year? So it's it's a constant, constant battle with that within our program um and and our kind of how we want to build it right and um we err on the side of the freshmen and and building them and and going with the guys that we've developed but we also need to also look at that portal well yeah you know i mean it's that's a hot topic question or topic for so many so i don't think there's an answer i think in ncaa uh i think they got out in front of themselves with it and didn't really think about kind of the role that culture and character and development, how that goes hand in hand with the college experience itself. So neither here nor there. It exists. It is what it is. So here's what I want to do, though. I want to totally take a left turn here. 
because I have to assume that there are a few crowning achievements in your life. Number one, you got the girl and she was willing to drive across the country with you, right? Uh, number two would be your two children, correct? Uh, right. How old are, you, are, your, are your kids? Four, four and six. Four and six. So those, I'll make those one A and one B. Um, but number two, a big number two, has to be your head coaching experience at TST. <laughs> and it was why, fun, man. And why did you guys not win? Come on. I mean... <laughs> Yeah, we lost. Yeah, so uh, I'll take the blame. The head coach, it's nice being, you know, the the assistant here. And, um, you know, when we lose, you know, Yeggs gets uh, – Yeggs should have done this. But when we win, it's like, man, Roby recruited some good players. So I'm in the <laughs> But uh, TST, man, I was – it was me on the hot seat. And, man, there were so many substitutions. I was uh, – it was a lot to figure out. It was fun. Well, like, let me we – let, let me let, let me do a quick rewind here. Um for those that are listening, TST was is called the soccer tournament. Uh, I know Dempsey and a group of uh, uh, other investors, organizers came really came from the basketball world, um, put this thing together, and it was a seven v seven tournament. Uh, Thirty two teams um, yep. that that ranged from the Hoosier Army. Which um, t- talk about the requirement of, of that though? It had to be. You know, they had to be affiliated with the team, ex-players, but they had to be so many years out from playing. Is that correct? You know, what were some yeah. of those little rules there? So the only thing, we, we were the only ones that put the rule in, and we literally just said you had to play for Indiana. Um, so the only guy that we had that did not play for Indiana was Josh Gatt, but he, he signed with us. So he just bypassed college to go pro. But everybody else on our roster wore, wore the – the IU jersey at some point. So uh, it was pretty cool. We're the only team there that was a strict alumni team. It was nothing but IU Hoosiers in that, in that, on that sideline, which was pretty cool. Yeah, because pretty you cool. you guys were the, I believe you were the first game on Peacock playing Word. Dortmund. Is that correct? Dortmund. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I remember, IU, I remember IU turning that thing Portland. on, and I'm like, "Oh my god, how is this gonna go?" You know, the field is a weird size. The goals, the goals look like, you know, some somebody forgot the real goals. Let's bring out the pugs. <laughs> you know, it was this weird thing. But they and the game started, and you're looking at the Dortmund squad, and you know, the announcers are talking about the players that are on the field, and you're like, "This is really weird." How about you know? the punch out left footed volley? Another St. Louis oh. guy. I mean, that oh, yeah. goal was great. Is, uh, Ponch has still got it, man. He's uh, he was one of my favorite guys to coach. That talk about a guy that just showed up to to work. Um, that guy, you could put him anywhere in the field, and and he'd be ready to go. So, uh, but what a goal, yeah. And TST, I mean the the how the atmosphere there, the amount of energy that the and time that that organization put into that tournament was. Our guys had an absolute blast playing in that. Um, I think next year there's just going to be a a wait list to get into that thing. Yeah. Um, so I, I, we're real, it was really cool that, that they allowed us to, to be the, you know, the college team um, representing on the ground. Uh, oh, well, let me, I got to ask, were you invited back for next year? Because you get, yeah, they already said we're, we're back. So, Sweet. Uh, they, okay. They, they said we were one of the highest viewed uh, teams uh, on, in the tournament, like via Peacock and YouTube. Nice. That they had, okay. So. Well, we're, we're partially responsible for that. Yeah, thanks, and, I, thanks, and, I, and I know that on the rosters, 
There are uh, social media influencers and content creators. I believe that's what we do, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got with red this podcast, shirts. <laughs> now, does the this does podcast the rising? <laughs> yeah. So does are. the does the content creator have to have had an offer from IU or played there, or can we be kind of the audible? You know, because we'd love to be part of the team. We, we're Hoosiers, right? Yeah. We are literally Hoosiers. I'm a yeah, flat yeah. out Hoosier. Kevin knows. <laughs> people, people don't understand what a St. Louis Hoosier is sometimes. Yeah. Hoosier, so. Hey, Zach, you, you had a coaching question, man. Why don't you shoot that question? Yeah, my question really was about you are always identifying talent, right, Kevin? You're always looking at these players. You're always looking at their families. Have you been able to start to discern talent for coaching? Meaning, have you been able to see within your teams that you've coached for the last 15 years, those that could be good coaches? And can you talk about kind of the legacy of, of Yeagley and the, and the coaches that have, have spawned from him? That's a good yeah, question. That, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, definitely, like, I, I do look at players now and I'm like, yeah, he, he could be a coach or, um, you know, he has the temperament or the, the knowledge of the game and or the um, – you know, just the the ability to love the game and, and understand it and um and, and to be able to describe what's happening on the field. You know, as a coach, you gotta under you know, you might see what's happening, but you gotta also be able to tell people what you're seeing or else they're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna be able to coach, right? So um looking at my roster, I do, you know, because if I do run a program one day, you know, it'll be like who could be my assistant, right? And you're always thinking about that um yeah. as as an assistant. So uh you know, and you would like it to maybe be a former player that uh, that you've coached, just kind of like Coach Yeagley has, you know, on his staff right now. He has four players <laughs> that he coached on his staff right now, you know, because Coach Yeagley coached me, he coached Tanner, he coached Christian, he coached Jeremiah. Well, um, it, so that's pretty cool. It's all IU Hoosiers here. Is, is, so is that something do you think that um, – in, in, and here's where I'm going with this, because in baseball, professional baseball in particular, I mean, there's an there's – an, oddly large percentage of major league uh, baseball head coaches that were catchers. And that makes total sense. You know, they, they literally control the game, call the game. They see it all right. Soccer is a little bit differently different in so much that it's so fluid. Um, what, what are the kind of like mental characteristics, you know, from a coaching standpoint that you, you know, maybe that you're evaluating or you're looking for from players, what do they do on the field that are, Things that, you know, to a kid listening that, look, you're not going to skip playing and you're going to be an old man coach, but what are things that the coaching values that you see in players that you look for? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the easiest one and, and one that's harder to get every day and or see every day is is that is that leadership piece. And can you put guys in right spots? And um, obviously another St. Louis drop, but, you know, you guys had his dad on. But the mayor family, I mean, you talk about guys that just naturally have that. And they would be unbelievable coaches. I don't know if they will. They might go into the finance world like their dad. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, talk about guys that just would have a perfect knack for coaching because Jack, Joey, and, and I'm sure Josh coming in, I mean, they just know the game. They, they watch film as a family. It's just like, what these kids are watching film. I, that's something I wasn't doing as a, as a young, uh, young 18, 19 year old, but those guys just know, 
you know, what they did wrong. They have a hunger to get better. Um, and, and so the mayors, I think right off the bat, just cause of the leadership and, and the way they carry themselves, I think people instantly respect what they're able to do and bring each day. And that's, a, they would be right off the bat would be awesome coaches. Well, that's a, um, that's a great, that's a great, um, um, answer. Talk about a little bit, because uh, Mr. Mayor, on our show you listened to, you said he had talked a little bit and referenced um, IU's pedigree and the type of player that IU and, and, and um, the old Yeagley and now the son Yeagley and you guys as a staff, you guys are reaching out and, and, and trying to get in your program and surround yourself with greatness. It, it's no mistake. It's no secret. Everybody that's in this game knows that the players that go to IU, um, not only are they good players, they're they're they're, they're they might be better humans than soccer players. Um, speak on that a little bit on on what the goal is as an organization to to yeah. to get after those type of people, and, and and how do you find them, and and how do you get it right with such a high percentage? Yeah, and, and uh, thanks for the the compliment. Yeah, that was. Uh, I mean, we and to be fair too, we don't always get it right. You know, we we'll definitely miss here and there. But uh, you know, the mayor family. Um, I'll tell you right now. You know, I've, I've been recruiting since kind of taking over the recruiting role in 2016. Was you know my first class. AJ Palazzolo was probably my first recruit, and another St. Louis guy. Um, love AJ. Um, we'll go to bat with that kid any day of the week. Um, but, uh, the mayor family and Jack, I would say was the, the most important recruit I I've ever gotten here at IU, um, you know, that we've gotten coach Yeg and I, um, just the, what the residual, but the fact that he, what he does and what he did for our team in, in 18, 19, but what he's done for the program and, and how he speaks to other players. I mean, Jack was recruiting other players to come without us even asking, he would call up players in the in the academy be like hey come to you come to you and um i just think our recruiting's taken another step forward after we got jack um and then and that, that's not even saying about his brother we didn't even know about joey at the time we didn't even know about josh but we wanted jack <laughs> so bad in that 2018 for that 2018 team and he came in and um started right away and we got to a final four and um and Jack was just uh, he's he's a coach's dream. And, and, and having that whole family part of our program was uh, has been it, it's it's changed our program. Honestly, it has. So has who, who's recruited more players to IU over the past 20 years? Uh, Yeagley or Ken Godat? <laughs> <laughs> Man, Kenny Godat, he is the ultimate ultimate alum um he's probably a reason why i got here because you know he like i told you earlier i mean the alums recruit for us at times you know they're they're yeah. the ones that are pushing players in our ears and um how bad they want to you know be in those final fours and meet us down and carry to to celebrate and, and try and win titles and um there's nothing like being in final fours um and, and uh and the program just rises in those moments and uh it's it's what you want to be in it's you know what? Why you? Why you coach? Why you? Why you play? Why you want to? Why you want to come here? Well, I know you're a busy guy, and I know you also have two little ones uh, at home waiting <laughs> for uh, some. You got, you got like frozen parbake emos in the freezer there. I mean, how do you get I, your fix? I, 
I would love emos. I mean, my son, my son destroys. He doesn't eat a lot, and he just destroys emos pizza. It's unbelievable. <laughs> like I don't know what's in it, but he like and like I told you, he doesn't eat a lot, and he destroys emos when he comes home. It's That's awesome. awesome. Hey, what? tell your sister Katie I said hi. I haven't seen her in a long time, and and she's awesome. She's she's a great girl. I'm uh I definitely miss uh miss being in St. Louis. As, um, I try to come home as much as I can, man, for sure. She was a good athlete herself. She was. She, uh, she was an all-state softball player. She could uh, she could mash the ball, man. Yeah, she could. That's awesome, Kevin. Thank you for your time, man. This has been a blast. Yeah. We really yeah. appreciate uh, your stories, insight, etc. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because. You know, haven't seen you in St. Louis in a while, but I think we've seen you on every sideline in every city <laughs> since the fall. So I'm sure yeah. we'll probably see you down in Dallas too, correct? Yeah, definitely. It's going to be a fun event. That's uh, that's always a capper of the of the year for sure. And these players uh, deserve all that uh, all that publicity and and the, being in those big games. There's nothing like it. Are we planning for 105 degrees like every year down there? I hope, I hope it's not windy. That's the big thing for me down there is if it's windy. But uh, yeah, I mean, if it's windy, if it's windy, at least there's a breeze because there's no trees, there's nothing out there, and you know it's like you just watch the tents melt. It's horrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, it's uh, so we're gonna out there. so we're gonna be recording a couple shows down there actually, right across the street at that uh, Jerry's uh, Burgers and Beer right there from across the main stadium. So I'll, uh, I'll come. I'll come stop by and say hi to you. Yeah, stop, jump on. Stop in. Check it out. Uh, everybody, hey, give uh, give the Indiana University soccer program a follow on Twitter. See what these guys are doing. Uh, be on the lookout for next year's TST Hoosier Army because we're going to be a part of it, Jared. We are definitely going to be a part <laughs> of it. We are going to find a way. I might sick Julie Softner on you and like make her. <laughs> what a great lady she is. <laughs> Louis, Louis was on our team, man. He yeah. Is, uh, what a great, I mean, that that's what they've done with the living legacy and, um, you know, and yeah. getting my dad into that was that's so awesome. cool that they, that they asked my dad to be a part of that. And, um, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, man. Hey, congratulations on all your successes. Good luck with the, uh, uh, the week, you know, the recruiting here over the, around the corner and, uh, yeah. the fall season. So we'll be in touch with you and for the rest of you, we'll talk to you next time. And, uh, uh, Zach, please don't wreck on your ride home, man. We'll talk to you later. Bye, Jared. Bye. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it, man.